What's going on, FA Nation? Dan Malin here, joined by Mike Alexander for the MMA DFS podcast. We are previewing UFC 253 this Saturday from Fight Island. Mike, how the hell are you doing? Pretty good, Dan. We are back in Abu Dhabi. Uh, COVID testing is a little more strict just because everyone's traveling internationally. And uh, the, the surprises happen a week out instead of a day out. Uh, so living large at the moment. That's good. Um, but they haven't done uh, the weigh-ins yet. That's typically on Friday, correct? Yeah, that's always going to be 24 <laughs> okay. hours ahead of time. It's a little weird because they're 24 hours ahead of their event is uh, a little bit off. I, I think they're still – let me pull up the start times. They'll still be really, really early uh, local time, uh, presumably. Oh, that's right. These are like in the afternoon almost, right? Uh, so for us, so the start time of the prelims for us is 7.30 p.m. Um, 11 fights on this card, uh, following up a quality card last week uh, for fight night um, with another really good card this week. Uh, 11 fights, quality over quantity this week. Uh, back at Fight Island, it's the regular 30-foot octagon for this card. Um, is the playbook going to be out Friday or probably Saturday, just based on what we've Kind of I'm thinking seen. Friday. I, I got a little more confidence this week that things are going to go off as planned for the most part. You know, you could still get a, a, a bad weigh-in, bad weight cut, uh, and throw a wrench in the, in the, to the works. But, you know, only, only one lost fight uh, or fighter would, would be manageable. Okay. Love it. Um, and then we've got the Wager Alarm video, the DFS Cornerman. Those will be out Saturday morning. With that being said, we'll just dive right into the card. We'll kick it off with the main event, the middleweight championship. Uh, Israel Adesanya, 8,500 versus Paulo Costa, 7,700. If you don't know much about these fighters, just know that they do not like each other. They've been uh, talking a lot of trash back and forth for a while. Uh, Paulo Costa pretty much just making fun of the fact that Israel Adesanya is, uh, I guess, too skinny in his opinion. But Adesanya is long. Uh, he's going to come into this fight with a three-inch height advantage and an eight-inch reach advantage. Costa hasn't fought in over a year with just two fights since the beginning of 2018. Uh, but he packs a punch. He has numerous KOs in his career, and they he, he's a hard hitter. Um, <clears throat> I think it's a good it, it's it's a good idea to get exposure to both. They both have both have plenty of upside. Uh, Adesanya is okay taking his fights to the cards, which actually makes me think that. I'm okay stacking this fight for cash games. Would you agree? Yeah, it's it's actually a very good stack for cash games. I think because the risk you've got that Costa could go out there and win by knockout at any point through the five rounds. Uh, And Adesanya should be racking up some really nice stats um, uh, striking wise because he, you know, he's going to be the guy that's going to be more active. Costa just, wades right in he does not care about getting hit especially against a guy like adesanya who doesn't have that flat line power you know we've seen him flash people um did it to robert whitaker but we've got questions about whitaker's chin for sure at this point but you know that that's that's it's a pretty simple breakdown on the fight costa will just come straight ahead he's gonna wait until he gets into range and and throw heavy heavy shots Adesanya is going to look to be the technical kickboxer, um, pick him apart at range, and have to weather some pretty big shots uh, as they get in close. Um, you know, a, a lot of it is going to come down to, I think Costa's 
endurance, you know, getting beat up for three, four rounds, that does take a really big toll on you. We haven't seen Costa necessarily gas prior, but he does go through inactive spells uh, in, in, in the fight where, you know, he knows he can't just keep swinging haymakers for five straight minutes each round. Uh, you know, he'll take a little bit of punishment when he's, when he's standing still. Um, he'll throw single strikes here and there. So, you know, Adesanya's probably, if it goes five rounds and, and goes to the scorecards, he's going to win three or four of them unless Costas yeah. is just scoring knockdowns, uh, at which point you don't, you know, would be surprising to see Adesanya survive multiple knockdowns. Um, and then the other side is, you know, if Costa if does land uh, and hurt you, he swarms, you know, he just empties the gas tank and uh, knocks the daylights out of you. Another interesting thing in this fight is that neither of these guys have truly been tested, in my opinion. You know, Adesanya's the champion. That seems weird to say. He's beat Robert Whitaker, who's an all-timer. He beat UL Romero, obviously a, a great fighter for what he is. Beat Kevin Gastelum. That's not what it was. Uh, Anderson Silva, again, that's, you know, very old Anderson Silva. Um, so, you know, it's not there's not that, like, signature guy that is, you know, oh, man, this— Beating this guy is going to solidify you. Um, that was supposed to be Romero. You know, he called out UL Romero, and that fight was just a snoozer. Um, then on the other side, though, with Costa, you know, he beat UL Romero. It was a much more exciting fight, but it was just those guys throwing punches back and forth with zero defense. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, he beat Uriah Hall, who's a flashy striker, but a guy that's very beatable. Uh, he retired Johnny Hendricks effectively. That's nothing to write home about. So both of these guys need that win. Um, and, you know, come Saturday, we're going to find out which one is the guy that is, is the true champion. Um, Costa is the cheaper fighter. He's the plus money. Uh, you know, he's the underdog. And, you know, I haven't listened to a whole lot of other folks yet. I try not to until I've got my own content out. But, People are, like, interested in Costa for those two things. Um, you know, normally I would say the champ is going to be the more popular play, but uh, it could trend that Costa is the more popular play because he's the knockout guy and he's and he's plus money uh, and a better price. So, you you know, you may get into a situation here that Adesanya could actually have half-decent leverage on a guy going five rounds. Uh, ultimately, who do you think wins? I think it's Adesanya. You know, he's he's just got more paths. Um, he, he, you know, and he's not he's not drawing dead for a knockout either because Costa, if he does get tired, you know, you don't have to knock a guy out cold. You can just hit him so many times that the referee just has no choice but mm-hmm. to step in and, and save him because he's pinned against the cage. He can't get away, and you're just hitting him, uh, you know, uncontested. All right, we'll move on to the co-main event, the vacant light heavyweight championship. Dominic Reyes, $9,000 versus Jan Vaklovich, uh, 7200 Feels like Reyes is the obvious play here. He suffered his first career loss back in February against John Jones. There's no shame in saying that, obviously. Uh, Reyes is also seven years younger, comes off as the better overall fighter. Uh, I won't sleep on Jan, though. I think he's worth exposure in GPPs, uh, especially for a potential five-round fight. Um, but how stackable is this fight in comparison to the last one? Not quite as stackable. Jan tends to fight a little bit slower pace. He's a more methodical fighter. Uh, you know, his recent knockout of Corey Anderson, notwithstanding, that's just something that, you know, we actually 
had that over here at Fantasy Alarm that uh, Jan was was likely to knock him out because Corey Anderson has chin issues. Um, you know, so he kind of grinds typically though. He's a he's a very tight kickboxer. Uh, you know, he'll he'll grapple as well. He'll get the fight up against the cage and and you know tie up his opponents. Um, Reyes can have trouble with that uh, at, from time to time. You know, against Vulcan Ozdemir, he won a pretty close split decision. I felt Ozdemir won that fight, but uh, I guess ultimately Reyes did the, the the bigger damage in the judges' eyes. Um, you know, and then Chris Weidman uh, <laughs> tested his takedown defense very briefly in their fight. Got him down one time, got stood back up, and uh, Weidman got toasted from there. Um, Never should have been up at 205, really, uh, and taken on a guy like Dominic Reyes. Uh, that's neither here nor there. I still don't think we know uh, that, you know, Reyes' takedown defense isn't a big liability. John Jones took him down twice. That's probably going to factor into why Jones won that fight. Um, and, you know, we've seen everybody kind of take him down at least one time here, anybody who's really tried. Um, Blahovich can do that. You know, he's not, he's not a guy that goes in and wrestles – heavily um you know he's only got a few takedowns in, in most of his fights um you know he's got a, he's put up four in some fights but it's usually like one takedown one advance couple advances things like that um you know ultimately i think reyes is just the crisper striker uh he's the heavier handed guy and he's gonna damage blahovich over five rounds as long as Reyes doesn't get trapped on the mat and worn out, uh, I think he does take this one. All right, move on to the next fight on the card. Kai Carr France, uh, 8,900 versus Brendan Royval. 7,300, it's a flyweight bout. Royval will have about a five-inch height advantage and a four-inch reach advantage, but Vegas and DraftKings both like Cara France. The thing I don't like about um, Cara France is that he's he's content letting fights go to the card since May of 2017. He's 7-1, but only one win came inside the distance. He did score a pretty solid win over Tyson Nam in his last fight, and we we saw last week and how good he is. Um, I really like Rayval's price tag. Um, I love the size, and I, I do tend to favor fighters a little, a little bit that have a really solid stri- striking advantage, or length advantage at least. Um, looked really good in his debut against Tim Elliott. I'll get exposure to both, but I really like the price tag with Royval, unless you can, for whatever reason, talk me on the Kai a little more. No, I, I think you're uh, you're down the right path here with Royval. Uh, the thing about Royval is he will force the issue. You know, he's he's not going to sit back at all. Um, and that made a really interesting style against Tim Elliott in his last fight, as both guys were just going for it. Royval had to really survive some hairy moments in, in that first round and then was able to finish off a gas Tim Elliott in the second round. That's his style. Like, he's not afraid if you take him down, he's happy to be on his back. He's got an active guard. Uh, he's happy to get in there and exchange with, with the fists. Um, and, you know, he can take you down as well. Care of France, the thing I worry about is that he's maybe just too quick. Uh, he's, he's improved his striking, I'm sorry, his takedown defense, um, you know, from when he was originally a kickboxer, you know, it was a slight issue for him early on in his MMA career. Now it really isn't quite as much. Um, that said though, you know, Roy Val being the bigger guy, like I could see them tying up and and maybe getting things to the ground and winning by submission. Um, 
but you know you, you gotta you gotta get him there. Kara France is is a very careful fighter. Um, he's another guy out of city kickboxing down there in New Zealand. That's like half this card. They they it's the city kickboxing team uh, getting all of their fights on the same card. Uh, you know that Adesanya, um, Shane Young is one of those guys. Uh, it, it, they're all throughout the card. Um, so. You know, it's probably care of France by decision. That's not going to really hit value at eight nine hundred. Yeah. I I guess there is a slight uh, possibility that care of France does manage to knock out Roy Val because he's got that devil may care approach. You know, where he wants to to really mix it up. And care of France, he can crack. Uh, you know, before he made it to the UFC, he was knocking people out uh, in the Asian scene um, with with near ease. Uh, just hasn't translated. Um, in the UFC, but sometimes that happens with guys. They make that leap and, and the power doesn't follow them for, for a few fights. Uh, next fight on the card. We've got, it's the first and only women's fight. We've got Ketlin Vieira, 8,800 versus Sajara Eubanks, 7,400. It's a women's bantamweight bout. Eubanks is stepping in for Marion Renault, who pulled out of the fight due to an undisclosed injury. Eubanks is coming off an upset win just a couple weeks ago against Julia Avila. So she's fresh, at least. Uh, Vieira has a four-inch height advantage and has the better resume overall. Um, ultimately, if I'm just looking at the tendencies of these two women, um, I'm not entirely sure that we see a finish but i we've been wrong on the women's fights plenty of times you know like we've we've seen a lot more uh submissions in in the women's bouts recently um but you know it's just i feel like this is one fight that i might be fading for dfs um how are you feeling about it you know i'm struggling with the fact that i was really excited to get ketlin vieira against renault uh who tends to quit in fights and and vieira is She's a banger. You know, she comes to fight. She's got she's got good grappling. She's got jiu-jitsu. She's not afraid to trade punches. That got her in trouble uh, against Irene Aldana in their last fight where she got dropped hard, which you don't really see very often, even, even at the heavier uh, 135 women's weight class. Um, you know, Sajara, I think people are overrating her right now coming off of that, that victory against... Uh, Julia Avila, you know, people were, were all about Julia Avila, but that fight was always coming for her. I actually put that in the playbook that, you know, one of these fights is going to be the, the ceiling for um, Avila because she just doesn't train at a camp that's going to push her. Uh, and Eubanks, her grappling was too much. The thing here is that Vieira has grappling as good, if not better, than Eubanks. So Eubanks didn't tire against uh Avila because she was able to be the dominant grappler. When you're when you're asserting your will with with the offensive wrestling and grappling, you're conserving a lot of energy. You don't have to to defend. You get to make the other person carry your weight. It's a great way to fight, and people really try to do it because you can conserve energy. Um, that's why she didn't gas for the first time in like five fights against Vieira here, who is a very big one thirty five uh, you know sized woman. That's not going to be the case. Uh, she's going to probably guess, and I think Vieira actually is a little bit live for a finish. Probably, you know, not quite um, something I'm going to chase on DraftKings heavily, um, given you know that she's 8,800. But I don't think she's going to be all that popular on DraftKings, so I'm going to mix it in. Next fight on the card, we've got Hakeem Duwadu, Canadian, $8,000 versus Zubaira Takugov, 8,200. He's a Russian featherweight bout. 
Uh, it says cornerman video written all over it. Duwadu has won his last four fights, three of which have come by decision. Um, he also averages about six significant strikes per minute. Uh, Zubaira is solid defensively, but may try and take this fight to the ground, which I'm all for. Um, I'm going to have exposure to both, but when it comes down to it, I'm not I'm not a huge fan of uh, rostering Canadians, except unless their name is George St. Pierre. Um, I feel like this was validated last week when I went light on TJ Laramie. Um, mm-hmm. So in this one, I'm, I'm going with the Russian over the Canadian. I think that's the, the smart play. It's a fun little fight. Uh, but interesting note on the Canadian stuff, because... Canada is taking the pandemic a bit more seriously than our country and, and several other countries. Uh, and people are not able to train. Um, that could be what we're seeing. I, I think I saw something on Twitter where it was like Canadians are like 0-5 uh, in, in the last five fights that they've been scheduled for. So, you know, maybe that continues here. Uh, Tukugov, uh, you know, the people he's rolling with are legit folks islam makachev um khabib the gavin medoff uh, you know he's getting work <laughs> that that is sharpening you know steel sharpens steel kind of thing uh the wrestling is obviously his bread and butter he's a very strong wrestler um you know duadu we haven't seen him have necessarily a problem with the wrestling but he hasn't faced wrestlers julio arce did take him down once kyle botchniak took him down twice not really what you want to see and and that you know we're going to find out with Tukagov if it's going to be a problem for him um but Tukagov also packs a punch uh his striking has come a, a long way since his early days and you know Kevin Aguilar I was higher on most than Kevin Aguilar at the time that they fought but he still just smoked Kevin Aguilar out in the first round kind of did the same thing to Lerone Murphy the prior fight where they he went to a draw um that was uh, also a fight in Abu Dhabi, and that one was in – this was not a, a fight island situation. This was about a year and a half ago. They fought in an arena uh, that I think ringside it was about 100 degrees. I think so, I remember this, yeah. It, yeah, it was nuts. You know, I don't know how the UFC <clears throat> let this happen. Uh, you know, I guess it helps when there's some folks filling your wallet to bring a fight uh, card <laughs> their way. Um but, you know, all the, all the fighters that, that fought mentioned how tired they got instantly, uh, and there was a lot of slow-paced, sloppy fights as they went on. Uh, Tukagov, 10-8, Leroy Murphy in the, in the first round, and then loses the second and third because he's kind of gassed after um, really just beating the doors off of Murphy for a round. Uh, so, you know, we've seen two pretty strong performances, factoring that in out of, from him in a row. I think this is another one. Uh, the, the, you know, he's, he's a, a local favorite. He's not obviously from the area, but, um, I believe he is Muslim and, um, you know, that's, we're obviously in the Middle East and, and, mm-hmm. you know, that's, a, a going to be a, a, just another feather in his cap here, Even, especially if it hits the scorecards, you know, that could be a little bit of a slippery, uh, decision coming in his way. All right. Next fight. Uh, might butcher another last name, but here we go. Brad Rydell is 9,200 versus Alex De Silva, uh, 7,000. It's a lightweight bout. And I actually, it's, it's, it's hard to like the narrative for De Silva as he hasn't fought in over a year. Rydell averages over six significant strikes per minute, minute to De Silva's one. Uh, he probably tries to take this fight to the ground, but Rydell has really good takedown defense. Uh, 
Rydell is 2-0 in the UFC. It's a steep price tag. I get that. And he really needs a win inside the distance or a ton of volume, which might be there. But a win um, <clears throat> a win by decision doesn't guarantee 10 or 11x value. I might fade this fight. I'm not in love with it. Uh, I, I don't think I want to have any exposure to De Silva. I have a little bit of Rydell. But, you know, it's it just seems like Rydell is, is obvious chalk that a lot of people want to eat. I just, I don't know. I'm not in love with this fight. I feel like on an 11 fight card, if I want to fade three fights, this is one of them. And maybe the women's bout. Yeah. If, if you're not building a lot of lineups, I don't blame you. I think you do want exposure. If you're building more than just one or two lineups. Um, and that includes De Silva. So his narrative in the UFC is he got brought over as a late replacement. And I think it was a card in Russia. Um, if not Russia, then somewhere in the Eastern Bloc, uh, to fight Alexander Yakolev. And that is just a nightmare fight to take on short notice. Um, Yakolev is a very savvy Russian vet and, and slippery wrestler, um, tired out the, the young man and uh, you know took home a, a guillotine choke win in the second round. But, you know, coming from Brazil to Russia, late replacement, you know, going to Russia is not like you don't walk through security. Like there's stories about, you know, you, you get when you're an opposing fighter coming to fight a Russian, like you get, you know, put in a room for a little bit and they uh, they search your stuff and make you hang out. And mean, meanwhile, like you're trying to get your weight cut started uh, week of. So, um, you know, I kind of I kind of let him off the hook for that one. Uh, he looked decent against Rodrigo Vargas, who's, you know, not a very good fighter. But um, yeah, he got he got the job done against him. Um, he's a dangerous fighter, De Silva. The problem is he came up. Um, he's part of the Astra fight team, I believe. Yeah, and what they do is they just put their people against tin cans until they've built up a big enough record to to make the UFC. Once in a while, you know, they got to give him one legit fight. I guess in, in De Silva's case, it was, all right, we're late replacement against Yakolev. We can take that loss. Not a big deal. And then we're in the UFC from there. Um, you know, this is this is an interesting spot because it's a huge step up from, from even those two guys, um, but especially Rodrigo Vargas. I, what concerns me with Riddell is that he is an all-action fighter. Um He's a he's a kickboxing coach, but he's mixed in the wrestling in in his last two fights. You know that's that's something that I think people were obviously going to look to exploit against him. Magomed Mustafayev did, but uh, gassed out and and even had the wrestling turned on him a little bit. So, um, you know that's that's something that he may get a little bit. I don't want to say cocky, but like might take chances that he shouldn't uh, with the wrestling against a guy like De Silva, who's Got some pretty slick BJJ. Um, and Riddell, he will eat a shot to, to get his offense going as well. So De Silva, he is a bit of a live dog. Um, but yeah, a good fight to target for, for multi-lineup builders. All right, next car, next fight on the card, rather. Uh, Jake Matthews, 9,400 versus Diego Sanchez. He's 6,800. It's a welterweight bout. Matthews is a massive minus 750 favorite at the moment. I hate paying up for the price tag, considering he's comfortable letting fights go to the judges. Uh, he can easily win in that regard, but he doesn't come with volume and will likely try to get this fight to the ground. Zero confidence in Sanchez to get a win here. Only lands 2.7 significant strikes per minute and 1.4 takedowns per 15 minutes. 
Might go light on this one. Matthews probably wins, and, and I don't know. I think I'm moving on. Yeah, do not play Diego Sanchez. Uh, he <laughs> is just collecting paychecks at this at this point. Um, you know, you if you don't you don't have to go far to figure out like where his head is at. Uh, you can Google stuff about his quote unquote uh, striking coach. Uh, you know, the guy is like some kind of you know fake shaman. Uh, you know, it's, there's no actual striking. It's like the guy's like dancing with a with a punching bag kind of deal. Um, so you know, I guess Diego was our up up for getting a free vacation to the Middle East uh, and um, getting a beating again. <laughs> we've we've seen him take quite a few beatings. The only the only you know real surprise we had in his, in his last six, seven, eight fights was really Mickey Gall gassing against him and Diego winning by knockout. You know, I think people are maybe looking at that here, and I think that's that's probably that's probably a pretty big mistake because Jake Matthews is not a perfect product by any means, but he's a solid fighter. Uh, he's got good wrestling. He doesn't have devastating power, but if you can throw a punch at this point, you're gonna hurt Diego Sanchez. I honestly, I think I think this is gonna be like a really disappointing fight. I think Sanchez is going to take like one shot and be on the ground uh, and, and be, you know, finished by ground and pound pretty quickly. Um, so, you know, I think you got to use some Matthews just for the fact that it could come with a knockdown and a bunch of strikes uh, and a first round finish. Are you okay using Matthews in cash? For sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think there's just no way that Diego Sanchez wins this fight other than being kneed in the head while he's on the ground and winning like <laughs> again, which, you know, Hey, you know, people hold it against him, but, uh, I think I heard that, you know, his, his UFC contract is like, um, at this point, 80,000 to, to fight. And, you know, his win bonus is then 80,000. Um, if you told me, you know, all I have to do is say, I can't continue to fight and I get $80,000. Um, yeah, going to do that every day. <laughs> all right. Next fight on the car. We've got, Shane Young, 7,900 versus Ludovic Klein at 8,300. It's a featherweight bout. Uh, I don't know a ton about either fighter. Uh, I know Klein is coming in as a late replacement for Nate Landwehr, who tested positive for COVID. Um, Despite the late replacement, I think I kind of want to go with Klein here. Young spent his time prepping for Landwehr. And, you know, a lot of times with these late fights, you know, they they have to, they're just unprepared for the new guy that comes in. Um, I like Klein as a GPP play. He comes with volume, as we've seen in his last two fights. He lands over five significant strikes per minute, but he also absorbs five as well. Um, This could be a potential fight of the night candidate, in my opinion, um, if both guys are content with just swinging for the fences. Yeah, and I think a lot of people are starting to get hip to Klein, even though he doesn't have a lot of PR behind him. And that could be the problem for me in, in what shapes up as pretty much a coin flip fight. Uh, yes, you know, you got to pay a little more for Shane Young, but uh, Shane Young, you know, he does not, he, he's got one one goal and one goal only, and that is to beat you up uh, worse than you beat him up. And, you know, yes, his opponents have, have landed a good amount of strikes against him, but, uh, you know, Austin Arnett, Ronaldo Dye, those guys are not UFC caliber. I don't think either are in the UFC anymore. And then he lost to Volkanovski, um, but he went to decision with Volkanovski, which says something. Um, 
this were this was back in the days when Volk was still a wrestler <laughs> before he was <laughs> he was you know a kickboxing machine. Um, yeah, he would he would take you down, ground and pound the heck out of you. Um, but yeah, you know Shane Young. Uh, as long as he doesn't get knocked out, I think probably is going to be the more likely one to get the decision win here. The problem is Klein has some nasty kicks. That's the first thing you hear about, uh, you know, when anybody talks about him. I don't love that Klein is, you know, this is a, a pretty good jump up in competition for him. But, you know, he's 16-2. and two. He's not green by any means. And, uh, you know, we're going to find out a lot about him Saturday. Um Hopefully good things. Hopefully it's a good fight. I think it should be. It's a fun one. Uh, and I'm going to pick Shane Young with, with not a whole lot of confidence. Okay. Next two fights in the card are two that I'm really interested in. First one is William Knight at 7,600 versus Alexa Kamir. 8,600. This is a light heavyweight bout. Uh, Kamir is a minus 165 favorite, but Knight at plus 145 is a pretty fun line in my opinion. Uh, the Nightmares highlight reel is pretty fun to watch. He's 8-1 and one in his professional career. All nine fights have ended inside the distance. Six of his wins have come in rounds one or two. He's coming off a contender, ser- contender series win about three weeks ago, and he's a great GPP play if he scores an early knockout. Uh, Kamura is no stranger to early finishes. His UFC debut went to the cards, but in the contender series and other promotions, he knew how to finish his opponents early and often. Five of his six professional wins have ended in rounds one or two. I think I'm going to take the discount with Knight, but I'm going to mix in plenty of both in my GPP builds because I don't see this one going to the cards. And that could be smart because that seems to be the way the wind is blowing. Uh, Kamar, you know, he kind of disappointed against Justin Ledette in his UFC debut. Uh, you know, he fought Ledette's fight. Um, Ledette's kind of... You know, down at 205, he's pretty slow, and he's just kind of a, a target at this point. But he does have a good boxing game on the way back, uh, you know, offensively. So, you know, I, I, don't, I don't discount it too much that it was a solid UFC debut win for him. Um, but like you said, Knight uh, hits like a train, and Kamor cannot leave the openings he left against uh, Justin Ledette and, and live to tell the tale. Um so I think either Kimura is going to win you know, a pretty busy decision or possibly a late knockout, or he's getting knocked out in the early going by night, you know, first round or early second round. So good fight to target. Love it. Uh, next fight on the card, it's a heavyweight bout, which I normally don't really like getting exposure to. However, this one is different. Uh, Juan Espino is 9,100 versus Jeff Hughes, who is 7,100. Um Espino is a minus 300 favorite. Uh, heavyweights tend to gas out. These these can get sloppy and ugly fights. But in my opinion, Espino might be worth paying up for. Um, he really likes to get this these fights to the ground. All three of his wins on the Ultimate Fighter came via submission. He averages 8.3 takedowns per 15 minutes, which is an absurd rate that, that screams regression might be coming. But that is a ton of takedowns. He's, he's a submission specialist, which... You know, we don't typically see from heavyweights. Um, I have zero interest in Hughes. I have a lot of interest in Espino. Am I am I reading this right? You're not too far off, no. Uh, pe- people are a little bit excited about Espino. Hughes is just kind of a placeholder. You know, if this weren't heavyweight, he would not be in the UFC. But heavyweight is starved for any talent. Uh, you know, he's he's 
Oh, and oh two, and I guess you know he's got the one no contest um, because Todd Duffy uh, said he got poked in the eye and, and quit in in their fight just as Hughes was starting to punch him in the head a little bit. Um, but you know. It, I don't think Hughes is probably going to be long for the UFC. Uh, Espino is somebody that they do, you know, they want to build into a product. He was the ultimate fighter winner. Um, we haven't seen him since then. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's should the game plan should be exactly the same for Espino. He's going to try to get Hughes to the mat and finish by submission. Hughes is going to be a little bit of a, a bigger challenge than probably any of the guys on the ultimate fighter were for Espino. Um, but yeah, Hughes, he can't hurt you. He's kind of a, a technical heavyweight, which, you know, you're still a heavyweight that you could knock somebody out. You're, you're a 250-some pound man, but um, I don't see that happening. And I think Espino could definitely uh, find some, some grappling points for you. All right. Uh, last fight we'll preview. It's the opener for UFC 253. Uh, Kadis Abrigamov. Or Ibragimov, sorry, eighty-seven hundred versus Danilo Marquez, seventy-five hundred. It's a light heavyweight bout. I love targeting the first fight on most cards, except this one. Ibragimov comes in, and it seems like he's fighting for his job. He's lost all three of his UFC fights. Marquez is making his debut. Uh, Cadiz is minus one fifty-five to win. Uh, he's he lands about five significant strikes per minute, but he also absorbs six per minute. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marquez has okay grappling, couple wins via submission, but he's making his UFC debut at 34, so it's not exactly he's like a young hot prospect that people yeah. need to know about. Um, this matchup just just it's it's not what it was last week with Tyson Nam in it. Um, I'm just not interested in this one. Yeah, I mean, uh, if this if it weren't pandemic times and this fight weren't taking place in Abu Dhabi, you you know, uh, Ibrahimov would be out of the UFC, uh, but it. We are in a pandemic, and it is taking place in Abu Dhabi, and the Russian Ibrahimov uh, is getting booked here. You know, uh, and the only guy that they could really find that made it a worthwhile fight on both ends was Danilo Marquez, who we don't really know anything about either. Um, the thing about Ibrahimov fights is they are very high variance. He has come out of the gate really fast in a bunch of them. Uh, he did not his last time out against Roman DeLeeds, uh, and, you know, it was, I mean, Deleuze did score a nice knockout, but it was the old guy throwing a kick as the other guy's kind of ducking slash maybe going for a takedown turns into a knee to the face uh, and, you know, flash knockout. Was that really your intention, you know, or did you just get lucky? Um, Deleeds is a hard-hitting fighter, so, you know, hard to say lucky, uh, but... We, we still don't really know, you know, what Ibrahimov is at this point um, after the weird fight with Dawn Jung. Um, again, another weird fight with Ed Herman where he really beat him up for, for the first round and couldn't finish the job and then lost the next two. And then that, that lost to Deleeds. So does he go back to just coming out of the gate on fire? Does he fight a, a more balanced approach? Um, does he get submitted by Marquez? Like, everything is in play here. So... Uh, for guys building multiple lineups, you probably want to get a couple shares of both. But, uh, you know, it's a weird one. I wouldn't blame you for staying away. Yeah. Um, so what's the cash core looking like for this week? 
Yeah, probably going to stack that main event. Uh, you know, if you if you there, I guess there is something to be said for if you want to stack the other title fight just on the chance that it gives you a, a differentiated lineup. Um, possibly, yeah, it's, it's, it's a hedge in cash games. I mean, we don't normally do that too much, but yeah, a little bit. Wait, and like you know, so anytime there is one main event, almost everyone stacks it if it's going to be fast paced or go five rounds. Um, yeah, it's just a safe thing to do. When you see two main events, you see people either stack both or the more popular one, which um, you know is typically the flashier fighters. Mm-hmm. But you know, Reyes and and um, Jan could easily match or exceed that fight, especially if you know, say Costa wins by knockout in the first or second round. Um, then you know he scores a hundred and uh, Izzy scores you know twenty and you get a 120 and that's not really great for a stack. Um, it would not be hard to exceed. So, you know, if you want to take a little bit of risk there while still having a bit of a floor, you could do that. Uh, you know, looking through the other dogs, you know, Shane Young is a nice price, probably not going to get knocked out early. Um, Tukagov for the wrestling is a guy that I'm interested in, even if he loses that fight because he gasses, uh, you've got some wrestling coming back your way. Brandon Royval, huh? Royval uh? not in cash, not not a cash. Oh no no no! I know. Well, usually after I ask the cash core question, I'm I, I pivot to like your favorite. Oh, okay. okay, yeah, yeah. So for GPPs, yeah, Royval for dogs, definitely Royval. <laughs> Uh, Alex De Silva, you know, he's not going to be very high owned, uh, and it's an excellent leverage play. We've seen that a lot lately. He, these guys that are big favorites or, and gals that end up losing, if you've got the other side of that fight, you know, you just cut off 50% of the field. And, you know, then also there's maybe 10, 15% of people who have that fighter along with you. Um, that you've just shrunk everything hugely uh, yeah. to, to be able to cash. All right, Mike, good stuff as always. Uh, I felt good about this one. I was able to do notes for this card. Uh, the last couple, I've, I feel like you've had to carry me through them. But, Mike, thank you so much for your time. We'll be on the lookout for the playbook and, and the corner man and the wager alarm video. So thank you so much for your time. Best of luck to you and best of luck to the FA Nation.